This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Matt Addison with Paul Gorse, Joe Rimmer and Theo Squires alongside me for this one. Matthew Wijnaldum gave Liverpool fans another reminder of what they'll be missing from next season onwards over the weekend. We'll be taking a look at what might come next for Liverpool in terms of their transfer plans and a possible replacement. Gino Wijnaldum Gorsi has gone to PSG. We've known that for a little while now, but I think it's probably going to take Reds fans a little bit of time to, to get over that one. I think so, yeah. Uh, just, just watching him last night, playing for Holland, captaining them, leading them on. Um, thought he was fantastic and he obviously plays a different role doesn't he for the national team he's encouraged to get forward a lot more and, and try and get into the box and, and you can see that straight away you know if you haven't watched the Netherlands too often over the last couple of years and now you, you're kind of tuning in to see Wijnaldum in a, in a different role that this is what he's all about so, you know within two minutes or within the first minute he was inside the box and he was laying on a, a great chance for Denzel Dumfries and then he had a, a Another shot that was well saved and then popped up with a great finish in the second half. And, and he's very much a, um, a box-to-box midfielder with a bit of an onus on getting in, into that box and, and scoring goals. And um, Liverpool fans probably looking at it thinking, where's this this player been for, for the last five years? It's obviously completely different to how he operates at Liverpool, where it's very much you know uh, safety first, covering the, the full-backs and making sure that Liverpool aren't susceptible to counter-attacks. Um, shielding the ball and, and trying to put the, the front men in as quickly as possible. So, yeah, it's um, it's a different role, but it's uh, you know he's one of those players who's so intelligent and so you know got so much of a of a skill set that he can do several different types of of jobs. And, and that goes beyond just playing in centre midfield, doesn't it? You know, we've seen him at Liverpool where he can play them in a back three and play them up front against Barcelona in the Champions League semi final. He's just a He's just a superb player, a, a, an incredible athlete, and um, it's one that Liverpool are going to miss. Um, it, it's you know Liverpool losing a thirty-year-old midfielder at the prime of his career, and, and he's not taking a step down. Is he? There's not too many players who leave Liverpool and go to a similar a club of similar stature in Europe, but you know this is definitely one of them, isn't it? PSG, and um, it's yeah, it's, it's it's disappointing really because I think. Almost to a man, Liverpool supporters wanted to keep hold of him, and there he goes off to PSG as a, as a free agent, and Liverpool can't even get any money for him. I think lots of Liverpool fans watching on Joe last night were kind of joking on Twitter, saying, "Oh, Liverpool should have a look at this Genie Wijnaldum to maybe replace Genie Wijnaldum." I mean, it is a big hole to fill, isn't it? Massively, yeah. I mean, not least because he was always available, and I think. One of Liverpool's issues in recent years, well, in last year, sorry, has been injuries. And Genie Wijnaldum was always so reliable. He was never present. He could, as Gorsley's just mentioned, play in a number of positions. And, you know, Liverpool didn't even play him in the position that perhaps he, he, he catches the eye most um, that he does for the Netherlands. So, you know, I, I think it will be a difficult one. I'm pretty certain this isn't something that Jurgen Klopp wanted. Um, you know, it, it's it's. I think it's it's one of those things that... You know, kind of went above Klopp's head, I'm sure, on this occasion, and they're all going to have to find a way of replacing him. And all the noises that they they don't want a midfield, or they they're perhaps not prioritising midfield. But I think as push comes to shove, I'm pretty sure Klopp will want an extra body in there just just to protect you against what happened in the central defence last season. And um, 
it's a difficult one, isn't it? You know, I think I looked watching the game last night, and Theo's done a piece just now about when Adam. I think he's spot on. I think between the Netherlands and, and PSG, I think they, you know, they could really show a different side to Wijnaldum that we didn't really see at Liverpool. And he's one of those players that all Liverpool fans know his value, but perhaps why the football world don't really see his value as much. I don't think any, you know, sort of um, some lovely birds singing there, Theo in the background. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't think the why the football world will probably think, oh, it's a big blow for Liverpool. I think they will just feel like, well, what did they actually do? But, you know, I think the Netherlands and, and PSG will show you a different side of them. And, you know, I think as the season goes on, we could be talking more and more about the mistake Liverpool have made um, because of his performances. He's the type of player that, like, say, you know, I always think of Diddy Hamam when I think of players like this as a player who Liverpool fans who watch them week after week knew how good they were, or perhaps the wider football world didn't appreciate. But why not? It was a great player for Liverpool, great servant, a massive part of what they've done in the recent years. And, um, Liverpool will massively, massively miss him. The goal for Holland as well, Theo. I mean, it, it's nothing new. He seemed to do that every single time he went away on international duty. And it it always felt a bit weird that we didn't see that side of him for Liverpool. But I suppose it just, again, underlines the versatility, the fact that he's so intelligent as a footballer. He can just do pretty much every role there is going. Yeah, it's one that uh, Jürgen Klopp addressed, didn't he, after the Crystal Palace game, saying that when he started in the Netherlands, he was this number 10. He went to Newcastle... He's a left winger and he's done all this stuff. And then he came to Liverpool and he just became this controlling midfielder. And it's a testament to his ability that he was capable of doing all these roles. And it wasn't a case of, oh, it's a a number 10 playing out of position. He looked competent. He looked like he was doing a solid job in all of them. And you think the role he plays for the Netherlands where he's scoring all these goals, that position hasn't existed in the Liverpool side since Philippe Coutinho left, really. And Liverpool haven't needed it as such because that's not where they get the goals. The front three get the goals, the uh, full-backs get the assists, and the midfield is just there as this engine room that runs, covers every blade of grass, wins the ball back, doing all the high pressing. So they're not really needed to see this goal-scoring midfielder that was Genie Wijnaldum. But it was a comforting, I suppose, that Liverpool knew that they could use him in that role if it ever came to it. If ever had an injury crisis and they needed a goal, you could put Wijnaldum in this attacking role and you could rely on him because he did step up when he needed and he did get big goals. You think of Barcelona, that that will never be forgotten. Middlesbrough, Jürgen Klopp name-dropped the, the Cardiff goal he scored uh, when he just missed out on the title. And you're looking, he scored against the likes of Everton, Arsenal, Man City, Tottenham, Chelsea. He was always there when Liverpool needed him. And it's one where you are going to miss that. He's such a quality player. But you go and put him in this role now where he can play as a number 10 and he scores so many. Like His um, his record for the Netherlands over the past three years is outstanding. I think he's contributing a goal just short of every game. You wouldn't expect that when you've seen him play for Liverpool and it just shows how versatile he is. But you've got to give credit to his character as well because how many times have you seen a player get the bottomless bout or sulk because they've not been able to do this attacking role. They've not been able to be the hero and get all the goals. The fact that he never once complained and he was just happy to do his job for his side and always contributing, it, he will be a big miss for Liverpool. And it will one, be one that will sting slightly more now if he does go to PSG and he is let off the leash, so to speak, and he can just go and be this number 10 scoring goals left, right and centre for them. There's no doubt, Gorsty, in terms of a player that Wijnaldum is going to be a big miss, but... Is it too early to say that Liverpool have made a mistake? I mean, surely Liverpool are, are too clever, too intelligent in the transfer market to have done this without having a plan to replace him or, or find a way of, of moving on without him. 
yeah, generally Liverpool's record in the market deserves faith and trust in it from supporters. But I think you've only got to look back, you know, less than twelve months when Dan Lovren was allowed to leave for his at St Petersburg and no one came in to replace him and, and look how much that bit Liverpool on, on the backside last season. Um you know, if if he would have been there, Liverpool wouldn't have had anywhere near as much trouble kind of fielding, you know, a, a fairly respectable couple of centre backs now and again. So um well the the general record of the last five years or so, uh, certainly since Michael Edwards has come into to the sporting director role and, and he's worked alongside Klopp and, and everyone else, um, it deserves a lot of respect and trust and faith. But um, there is a there is kind of previous for, for saying that they, they've got things wrong. And um, I, I just think the, for the amount of games that Wijnaldum played last year, you know, he played 51 times and... Uh, okay, if if um, Henderson and, and Thiago might have been fit um, at various junctures, and if Fabinho didn't spend two thirds of the season at centre back, then Manalda may not have played quite as often as that. But um, to kind of just discard that durability and availability, quality, um, everything you want to say about him, without um, thinking that you might need someone else is a bit naive, I think. Obviously, Liverpool have still got other centre midfielders who didn't play anywhere near as much, someone like Mavi Keita, for example, or Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, but at no stage have they um, proven a, you know, an ability to, to play 30 games a season. Um, obviously, they both had their injury problems, and I think if, um, if, the, if there is genuine a genuine thought process that Liverpool think they can get by without... A wine album replacements, I think it's um pretty um pretty ballsy of them. And and I think I mean I hope I'm wrong, but I think we we can be looking at this as, as another rare mistake in, in the market. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think I know the answer to this, Joe, but we are told that midfield is possibly not a priority for Liverpool this summer. But do they need a wine album replacement? As Gorsty said, he just plays so many matches, it would all almost be naive. At best, it would be a massive gamble to not bring somebody in, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's it. You've nailed it there. It's a massive gamble. And I think we saw Liverpool take a gamble last summer on centre-halves and they said, oh, you know, we've got three and we can use Fabinho there. And um, look, it wasn't extraordinary circumstances. You don't expect that to happen every season, but it, it immediately backfired on them, didn't it? So, you know... If I'm making decisions at Liverpool, I might think twice about taking gambles like that again. And look, you know, like we're not privy to, you know, the the, the ins and outs of these transfers. You know, there might have been a lot set behind closed doors. There might have been genuine efforts to come to an agreement with Wijnaldum's representatives that that just didn't come off. And you know, it's the same when they're planning ahead for centre halves. You, you know, let's say they've been monitoring a Kanate. Do you just sign anyone last summer to uh, to get by? Well. You know, they had to do that in the end anyway, didn't they, in January, because they were so behind at centre-half. So, yeah, I, I just think it's too big a gamble. And I think after what Liverpool went through last season, you know, you don't want to have such a struggle again. And, um, you know, I, I agree with Gorsley. I think Thiago Henderson and Fabinho all been fit and available for selection in the, in the centre of the park. I think that probably would have been Liverpool's first choice three in midfield last season. Um, but... They weren't, and the, the fact remains that Wijnaldum was available for pretty much every game. So, 
I just think Liverpool needs some fresh legs there. And also, I think it's not just Wijnaldum, it's players like Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain who, ha- who haven't done it. You know, Curtis Jones is still very early in his career and neither of those two players have done enough, I think, at Liverpool to, to say, OK, we'll go into next season and rely on them. Um, they both had injury problems, but they both had problems with form. So, you know, I think it's... We've spoke a lot about the transfers Liverpool need. I think they, they need players. They've already got a centre-half, but they need players right through the spine of the team. And, you know, I think midfield is one of those areas where you, you now try and buy someone who's around for the next six or seven years. So, yeah, I think some of the links make sense. I'm sure we'll come on to them. I disagree slightly. Oh, sorry, go on. Go on. I disagree slightly here with whether they actually need one because it's one where if you look at the availability of players, yes, sure, they do need another body in there. But that's in a season where Thiago's Mr. Chunk, Henderson's Mr. Chunk, Oxlade Chamberlain, Cater, even James Milner, who we've not mentioned yet. Liverpool have got enough bodies there, even without Genie Wanaldum. The gamble isn't whether they replace Wanaldum, it's whether you rely on Cater and Oxlade Chamberlain to get you through another season. Like if we look back at the centre backs, three centre backs for a whole season was naive. That was a gamble. That isn't enough options to keep you going. But when you've got all the midfield options, the bodies are there. They will be covered. It isn't a case of whether Liverpool need to replace Genie Wijnaldum. It's a case of the long-term investment, whether they do bin off Naby Keita, whether they need a long-term replacement for James Milner, whether they need it for Jordan Henderson. But then you've still got, well, Roberto Firmino. He, he could play in midfield if they wanted to four two three one. Jordan Shakiri, if he's still around, he can play in there. Takumi Minamino. They could even put Trent there. They've got enough options. It's just whether you rely on players to stay fit and what formation Jurgen Klopp wants to do. Because there is that big drop-off now of Liverpool's starting eleven and the second string. Is it more a case then, Theo, that Liverpool could use this as a bit of a, an opportunity to maybe bring in someone who's slightly different to Wijnaldum? Maybe if we say that they do have to get enough bodies, but it doesn't have to be like for like. Is there an opportunity to sort of do something a little bit different maybe in that midfield area? Yeah, I'd imagine so. If they wanted to target a player, you don't want to go like for like. You'd want someone who can offer more to the side because whilst Wijnaldum we know is versatile, Liverpool still were quite restraint with how they used him in that number six or number eight. It wasn't a case of when there were players missing in the front three, Liverpool would put him in the front three. Uh, you just need that difference, I suppose, so it can bring something new. Like Thiago Alcantara, he was signed because he was completely different to anything Liverpool had. And you're looking at, well, Curtis Jones can sort of do that when Alden Roll bringing it forward. You know, Oxley chamberlain and Cainter can offer that when they're actually fit. So Liverpool do need more of that box-to-box option because if you look back at last season it was Henderson was the man that they really struggled to replace when he was out injured the one who could be leading from the front be a real end captain in that middle of the park it's just one of those where they need to look at the options they've got they've got a lot of players that can get forward in midfield it is someone now that is a bit more restrained that can sit alongside Fabinho to offer that security back get forward when they need him Let's go through a few possible replacements then. We'll start with Calvin Phillips. We'll talk about Yuri Tielemans and Florian Neuhaus as well a little bit later. But uh, feel free to, to throw any other names into the mix as well as we go along. But, Gorsty, I'll come to you first on Calvin Phillips. I thought he was exceptional for England yesterday. Is that a player that you think could appeal to Liverpool in any sort of way? Yeah, well, he's, he'd be used to playing in a, in a high-energy midfield, wouldn't he, playing for, for Marcelo Bielsa. You know, they're, they're probably... One of the hardest working teams in the Premier League alongside Liverpool and, and possibly one or two others. So I, I don't think that'd be too much of an adjustment. Um, but I think playing in a Jurgen Klopp midfield is probably one of the most difficult jobs in world football, isn't it? It's 
got to be you've got to have everything you've got to have you know the quality to be able to to play for the you know the standards that are demanded generally of, of Liverpool Football Club but then also to have the energy to get about the pitch to, to press from the front and get you you know you're covering for the fullbacks as well aren't you because Liverpool pretty much um, on the front foot all the time and playing with the front five so you've got to fill in in midfield and a fullback as well so it's a difficult job to do and, and I think that's why Klopp loved Van Alden so much because he was so good at at doing that essentially, and, and sometimes it goes a little bit under the radar and a bit unnoticed. If you know, you, it's not particularly flashy, but um, that's why Wayne Alden was so trusted. So, um, I think finding someone who Klopp's going to think can do a similar job is going to be very difficult to do across Europe. Now, Calvin Phillips, one season in the Premier League, um, don't get me wrong, he, he was excellent for Leeds throughout all of last season, wasn't he? And um, he was, he was. Uh, good again yesterday for England against Croatia. Um, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure yet. Um, I, I. I think if Liverpool were looking at Phillips, I think they'd, they'd possibly want him to have another season in the Premier League at Leeds, a club who Liverpool will feel confident of being able to to, to, to get the man. You know, if it does come to it. Um, so I think. If Liverpool are looking at Calvin Phillips, I think they might give it at least another 12 months. Yeah, certainly if they are looking at him, it won't just be off the back of one performance for England, Joe. I mean, what did you make of him yesterday? I thought that was definitely the best that I've seen him play before. But as Gorsty says, he has had a pretty good season for Leeds. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say the same, really. I thought that was the best I've seen him. Perhaps it's the, it's the most, if this makes sense, it's the most I've watched him. You know, I've, I've seen Leeds play this year, but I've not exactly sat there and gone... What can Calvin Phillips do? So, you know, but there's been a lot said about him. He does play, like Gorsi said, he, he plays in a, you know, in a similar sort of high pressure system, doesn't he? Um, and he, he does seem the type of player just on the surface that would fit in at Liverpool. But, but I mean, my thing about Calvin Phillips, and I, I think this about, you know, people talk about Tielemans, I'm sure will come to him. Um, but I, I just think those players are kind of, past the point of Liverpool trying to sign them. I, I think they're not like a, a Van Dijk or an Alisson who are at such a level where Liverpool will go, OK, we'll break our, our sort of structure and go out by them. I think they're sort of, they're not world-class, but I also think that they'd be too expensive for Liverpool to go out and buy. You know, I don't think Liverpool are going to spend 70, plus well, 50, 60 million on a, on a Calvin Phillips or a Yuri Tielemans. I just can't see it happening. I think Liverpool are more likely in a... You just mentioned his name before. Uh, Neuhaus, Neuhaus. Neuhaus, that's how butchering, I'm going for. <laughs> that. But, but um, you know, a player like that I think makes more sense, a little bit cheaper, somebody who, you know, Liverpool can get to that level if you like. So that, that's my thing. You know, these these Premier League players, I think, make a lot of sense, but they probably make a lot of sense because we watch them a lot. And, you know, we sort of put two and two together, but I think Liverpool will probably be casting the net a little bit wider. Theo, I know you were at Wembley yesterday to see him play. You've written something off the back of that. I know you were mightily impressed by him, but it wasn't actually a Wijnaldum replacement that you saw in him, possibly a replacement long-term for one of Liverpool's other midfielders. Yeah, exactly that. I think when you've seen him for Leeds United, he's been this number six in front of a back four, and you've sort of overlooked his quality there because Leeds have got other players that can get forward and attack and He's the one who just keeps it all together defensively. This one where 
yesterday we saw him as a real number eight, like pressing from the front. He looked like a Jurgen Klopp player. He looked like Jordan Henderson. Like you think those years where he was playing number six and then he went back into a number eight, you took it for granted how good he really was. The fact that he could easily do both roles. And for Leeds, he has been a leader this season. Liverpool have been linked with him in the past, I think, when he was in the championship. But that's when you're looking at him as a number six. It's like, well, if we're not going to spend 40 million on a player to warm the bench behind Fabinho. But now when he's got that versatility to him, I think there was one moment yesterday. Uh, it was after he'd had his uh, volley when he was pressing. He absolutely clattered one of the Croatian players on the edge of their own box. It's a challenge he probably gets away with in the Premier League. It's like, well, this is what Klopp wants from his midfielders. We're trying to win the ball back so high. And he set up the, the winning goal for Sterling. And he was offering so much more than we've seen from him in a lead side. It's like, well, maybe he could be one of those bodies in a Liverpool side. Granted, you wouldn't expect him to be a first choice ahead of a Thiago or anything like that. But he's, what, 25? His best years are still ahead of him. He's going to have three, four years at the top before he really hits his peak. And it's one where it comes into the balance of, well, three, four years' time, Henderson's probably been restricted to the James Milner role in the squad because there is going to be a change in the guard in this Liverpool midfield in a few years when you look at the ages of Henderson and Thiago and you think, well, that's why when Alden's gone, Calvin Phillips could fit the bill. But he's English now and he's played in the Premier League. He's had a good game at the Euros. If he ends up having a good tournament and uh, cements his place in this Gareth Southgate squad, that value is just going to go up and up. And it's whether Liverpool really decide he is the player to go and spend big on. Uh, when the time comes for them to actually have the money to go and make such a signing. There'll probably be other players out there a bit younger. But at the moment, when you think of the players that tick Liverpool's boxes, he certainly fits the bill. Like the fact that Liverpool spent a half a season struggling to replace Jordan Henderson and in one afternoon, Gareth Southgate has silenced any doubts about needing Henderson fit because you can just put Calvin Phillips there. Gives you, definitely gives you something to consider. I suppose that the big sticking point, Gorsty, is that valuation, isn't it? As Theo and Joe have, have both said there, it, it's almost like they would off, uh, they would ask for, for such a huge offer to let the player go. It, it almost seems a little bit unrealistic. I suppose it's a little bit like Rafinha as well. He, he might be a player that suits Liverpool, but Leeds don't need to sell, and, and especially after a good Euros, of course, as well, that the price would just inflate even more. It will, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's the Premier League premium, isn't it? It's always been the case, really, of um, clubs paying more when they, when they're buying from the Premier League. Um, so to that point, I can see what Joe means when he thinks Liverpool are going to be paying sixty million plus for for Calvin Phillips after one year in the Premier League. I'm I'm not too sure. I do think um, that the, the Neuhaus um, situation seems to be something that's a little bit more realistic and obtainable for Liverpool. Um, obviously, a, a player who Klopp will know from from. You know, keeping an eye on the Bundesliga a lot closely than probably we do, um, or certainly we do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it just to to me, I mean, from, from what what you were told and so on, is that Liverpool aren't necessarily prioritising a central midfielder, but that doesn't mean that there's no chance of of anyone coming in. So I I just find it um, find it hard to believe that that Liverpool aren't looking at a central midfielder and thinking we need someone to come in and, and replace. Someone who's just played 51 times in, in midfield. I really do. Um, obviously, we know the contracts are very much the order of the day once Liverpool returns pre season next month. Um, Alisson and Fabinho, and then one or two others Salah, Trent, uh, Robertson, um, Van Dijk is obviously a big one as well. But, um, you know, Liverpool have more irons in the fire than just let's, let's slam box a handful of contracts. They, they, they have to be 
continuing to look at the squad and, and they don't want to get to a point where Liverpool have got one of the highest wage bills in football and one of the one of the oldest squads. So it's it's gonna to have to be like a constant kind of year of, of replenishments. It doesn't have to be overhauls, not talking about six or seven new arrivals and, and eight or nine up the door, but it's gonna to have to be like last summer when Thiago come in and Jota come in, Jota more patently at his age. Uh, Liverpool are gonna to have to continue to, to kind of evolve this squad and um, a, a centre midfielder around about the age of 23, 24, um, for me, would, would be you know something that maybe Liverpool should be looking at this summer. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think for me, Joe, Yuri Tielemans would be an absolutely ideal player to bring in to replace Wijnaldum, but very similar to Calvin Phillips. You look at the price tag, it's going to be, what, 60, 70 million? What did they get for Harry Maguire? About 80 million pounds in the end. I mean, it's just one of those where, again, it, it just seems like it would just take such an astronomical offer. It's highly unlikely to happen, isn't it? Yeah, that's my view, yeah. You know, I, I agree. I, I really like Yuri Tielemans. I think... You know he's he's full of energy. He's young. He's got space to improve. He, he's he's confident. He's bold. I, I like he scores goals, doesn't he? So there's a lot to like about him. But yeah, I think when you you're trying to do business with a with a Premier League rival, there's going to be an you know an extra fee on top of that. Unless they've done well in recent years, so they're not going to want to let go of a player on the cheap. So it just make you know to me that makes Liverpool's life quite difficult. Um, you know and that's why I think. Liverpool will instead try and get in there first for a player who can become like Tielemans perhaps in one or two seasons. And and Gosley makes a good point. You know, I think it's about, for me now, you know, they've, they've done it with Canate. He's, he's a young player, but one with a very high ceiling. It's the same now with, with a centre midfielder and, and another attacker. You know, I think it's just about buying those players that offer something extra in the squad, but also bring that age down. And perhaps eventually you can start moving in and, and having a more permanent place in the starting lineup. So, you know, it, it's sort of twofold for Liverpool this summer. Yeah, getting those squad players that Liverpool have desperately needed last season, but also just bringing that age down and, and making sure that going forward they have players, you know, like a Tielemans that other people would love to buy. So, yeah, I, I don't see them going after Tielemans because I just think he's 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 going to be too expensive. So, um, yeah, he's a good player though. I really like him. And just before we move on to, to Neuhaus then, Theo, in, in terms of the two players we've discussed so far, one big box that they would tick is that they've already played in the Premier League. Do you think that's at all important to Liverpool? Would that help in terms of making a player maybe slightly more attractive than somebody who would have to come in and, and adjust a little bit? Um, it depends on how you're looking at it. Like You think if um, Naby Keita had come from a Premier League side, it would probably cost a bit more, but it would have been more used to the league. You'd be a bit more confident about what you're getting. And Liverpool have had to be a bit smarter now, I think, about what they're doing transfer-wise. Like you think Genie Wijnaldum, when they signed him, it was after, what, one year in the Premier League, £25 million. The players we're talking about here, if it was the fact that the market was in that state and you could get Tillemans or Calvin Phillips for £25 million, you're happy with that? It's just the way the market has grown in these last few years. And if you want the player with the Premier League experience, they cost pretty much double that now. And It's one of those where it's so hard to buy English players. It's so hard to buy Premier League players. And that was the case before the pandemic. Never mind now where clubs don't have the money. You're going to have to just be either looking abroad for these players that you can sort of gamble on a little bit. Or it's going to be the case of you waiting for the Premier League players to run out of contract and see if you can get them 
on the cheap or for free. Uh, like with Leicester, if you wanted to look at Tillemans, I suppose one blessing there is they're going to have to replace Jamie Vardy at some point and they're going to have to spend big to get a striker good enough to replace him. Granted, Kalechi Kanacho's, I think I've got that name sort of right. He's done a great job for them second half of the season, but are you really relying on him to be your main striker? And Leicester have spent poorly on some players in the past, like Ayos Perez. I think that was 35 million and he's not really stepped up for them. You're looking at that squad. T. Lemons is probably the one where they could get the big fee and then replace Avardi. And it's just all about timing now. Like the players we're talking about, they're at that age where if you want them, you need them now to get the best investment value for them. And the market is just not suitable for them at the moment. So it is going to be a case of three few years, Liverpool probably going to have to shop abroad just because it's going to be cheaper. And while it might be a little bit of a gamble, at least then they've got more time with these players to develop them and see if Jurgen Klopp can work his magic again and turn these players into world-class performers, as he's done with Gino Wijnaldum, Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, and so many others. Let's move on then to Florian Neuhaus, just to, to finish, Gorsty. I mean, I think his release clause has expired now, but you'd probably still be looking around 35, 40 million for him, given Borussia Mönchengladbach missed out on the Champions League, the impact of the COVID pandemic to put into that as well. That kind of feels more like a Liverpool fee if they do go and sign a midfielder. I, I, I do think that all, all the midfielders we, we've spoken about today, Yuri Tielemans and Calvin Phillips, I do think Florian Neuhaus uh, does appear to be the more realistic Liverpool sign. And I think um, I, I haven't seen too much of him. I've got to be honest, didn't exactly watch Borussia Mönchengladbach fairly regularly last season. Um, but uh, Germany international, I think um, you know there'll be quite a few eyes on on him in, in the Euros now. Aren't there with Liverpool fans looking to kind of catch a glimpse of, of what he might be about? Um, I, 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 as we've said, I mean Liverpool are you know, kind of privately stressing that they're not um, initially looking for a like for like Wijnaldum replacement. But um, I just think they're just that that much that the, the weight of kind of how much it makes sense for them to be looking at someone is kind of that, that far outweighs the idea that they're not going to be bringing in someone, I think. So, um, yeah, Neuhaus certainly someone to keep an eye on. He, he looks tall, big big frame, powerful, um, but not scared of putting the tackle in, gets about the pitch, um, scores quite a few goals from, from what, I've, what I've seen. I was actually looking at the the dreaded YouTube clips of them this morning and, you know, they can make uh, probably make me look half decent, but... Um, he does seem to be someone who scores quite quite a few goals from the edge of the box, arriving late. Um, and one or two goals from near the halfway line as well, which uh, fans of Xabi Alonso will know go down well at Anfield. So, um, yeah, look, he's, he's someone who, who we're going to be keeping an eye on, isn't he, over the next you know two or three weeks. So, yeah, I, I, I do think that Liverpool are, um, you know, kind of in the market for the central midfielder, despite what, uh, what we're hearing at the moment. Yeah, eight goals, I think it was for him in all competitions last season from midfield, which is not a bad return at all. I actually spoke to Florian Plettenberg, the chief football reporter at German outlet Sport One over the weekend for a special Florian Neuhaus podcast. He knows far more about him than any of us do. So if you do want to learn more about Florian Neuhaus, you can go and listen to that wherever you got this podcast from. But I think, Joe, the main things that I got from that podcast really was that he seems to be press resistant. He seems to be good at winning the ball back. He adds goals. He kind of sounds a little bit like a younger version of Gini Wijnaldum, which I suppose for Liverpool, if they do have a plan, trying to replicate Wijnaldum but a few years younger probably isn't a bad idea. Yeah, and I think that would, be, would have been 
part of Liverpool's thinking when they didn't give him a contract, isn't it? They, they would have thought, well, do we want to go out and spend this money that we'd, we'd be giving Wijnaldum in wages on Wijnaldum as he gets into his 30s or do we do we invest it on a younger version who, you know, in theory replaces him for years to come? So, But the one thing I find interesting about um, this player is that if, if his clause has expired, it's a very un-Liverpool thing to do, isn't it? You know, usually Liverpool go out and use they would use a clause or they would, you know, they would sort of have those connections. So, you know, I'd find it odd if Liverpool then paid £40 million for a player who they, they could have got for 5 £10 million cheaper um, not so long ago. When, when was that meant to have expired, that clause, recently? I think it was, think it was the end of last season, but the, the sort of oh. talk in Germany, the idea is that the clause was almost like a gentleman's agreement. So it was a kind of, if someone puts that money on the table, they would have to consider it. So it probably wouldn't be massively different if Liverpool were to put the same money on the table even after the clause. It probably would be about the same, I think. Oh, I see. Because you, you look at Canate and the way they use that clause, obviously they use Minamino's clause there. You know, I think Liverpool you know, are quite good at using these sorts of things to their advantage. So, yeah, um, I think a lot makes sense about them. So... If I was going to put money on Liverpool signing a player out of the ones we've discussed, it would certainly be him. Yeah, certainly. I'm sure if he does get on the pitch for Germany in the next few nights, I think they play on Tuesday, don't they, Germany? So I'm sure there'll be a fair few Liverpool fans tuning in. But, I mean, Theo, you look at the German options in that midfield, Tony Kroos, Ilkay Gundogan, Leon Goretzka, we might not even see him on the pitch, Neuhaus, because there's a fair few options in there. Emre Chan. Emre Can, yeah. Hopefully he gets on the pitch ahead of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Germany have always been blessed with this uh, plethora of midfield options and it's one where they've got so many ageing stars but it's almost like Liverpool there, isn't it? That You say these players that have been around at the top of the game for years now, there is going to be a change in the guard there and even if uh, Neuhaus isn't going to be a starring player at Euro 2020, probably will be in Qatar at the World Cup, Euro 2024 and then it's just who wants to snap him up now. Out of the three players we've discussed, he does seem most Liverpool-like signing. But then would it be a surprise at all if Liverpool went out and bought someone completely different? But if they do want to sign a midfielder, you'd imagine it's going to be towards the end of the window. Definitely going to be after the Euros are out of the way. Because you think, well, the transfer business they've done, they needed a centre-back desperately. That was the first one they've gone and got. You're talking about priorities and the rest of the squad. Probably going to be a striker, isn't it? Like You've got Yota to come in off the left. You've got Shakiri if he goes, Harvey Elliott can replace him as that Salah understudy. You need someone to be that alternative to Roberto Firmino. And midfield options, it's not a priority there in the sense of what else they need to do. It's going to be a case of, can you sell Origi? Can you sell Shakiri? What are you doing with Minamino? And all these other players that you've got question marks over the futures, even Naby Keita or Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. And then reassess the position come August, come the end of the transfer market, come the end of the transfer window and see what outs there. See if these players having good Euros are desperate to move, want to make it in the Premier League, want to sign for Liverpool and just go from there. Uh, That's one with Nurhaus. Well, this clause has expired and he has a good Euros. Like the players have mentioned, his value is just going to go up and up. So it's whether Liverpool want to take that sting now and just get in now and make a little bit of a gamble or want to just see the best options. We know in the past, they're always very astute when they weigh up who they move for. They weigh them all up against each other, see which one makes the most financial sense, which one's the best investment. It was very clear when they got moving for Simicas last season, for example, when they turned away from Jamal Lewis, uh, whoever they go for this summer, if they do go from midfielder, you'd expect similar again from them. 
Yeah, certainly plenty to think about as Euro 2020 plays out. By the time you're listening to this show, Andy Robertson would have been in action. Tiago Alcantara could feature for Spain tonight against Sweden. Diogo Jota's Portugal take on Hungary tomorrow night as well. All of the updates on those players to come over the next few days, but that's all we have time for on this edition of the Blood Red podcast. From myself, Matt Addison, Paul Gorse, Joe Rimmer and Theo Squires, thanks for listening, thanks for watching and see you next time. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.